right, if you want to uh, take your Bibles and turn to, now it's not written on your paper, but right after 2 Timothy 1.7, put down Romans 8, verses 26 and 27, and then turn to Romans 8, if you would. Romans 8, 26 and 27, and I will read uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 to you. 2 Timothy 1.7 is easy to memorize, and most of you probably have it already memorized. You'll know that one when you hear it. It says in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We're going to be referring back to that after a little while. But go to Romans 8. Look at verses 26 and 27. We're going to talk about the names of the Holy Spirit mentioned in the New Testament. And I just want you to know that you know, we're Trinitarians here. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I think it's critically important that we understand how important the ministry of the Holy Spirit is. Uh, sometimes we forget that. You know, it, it, and, and I'm not taking anything away from you and I worshiping Jesus and worshiping God, but we can't forget how the great Comforter wants to help us in so many areas of our lives. And Old Testament... Uh, people who just preach and think about the Old Testament, they miss so much of that Holy Spirit ministry. And so learning about the Holy Spirit is key. It's a key New Testament ingredient. And we are a New Testament Baptist church. We love the Old Testament, but there's so much more of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament that we can understand. And so it's important that you see the Spirit of God and how he works through these various names, there's 10 of them that we'll look at tonight. There might even be more, but we're going to look at 10 of them. Names of the Holy Spirit referenced in the Word of God. In uh, verse number 26 and 27, we see the Holy Spirit mentioned three times within two verses. In fact, if you want a chapter in the Bible to memorize regarding the Holy Spirit, Romans 8 is the chapter. Now, there are some other churches out there that misrepresent the Holy Spirit's ministry in our lives, and sometimes they go off kilter a little bit and don't speak properly of Him because they get off into areas where they're more interested in the power of God than they are in the person of Jesus. And you can notice on the bottom of the page there, it says, uh, all of these characteristics characterize Jesus. You can fill that in if you want. The work of the Holy Spirit is not to draw attention to himself, but to magnify Christ. And so it's important that we see how the Holy Spirit works here in the New Testament because it's so vital that we get this and we get it right. Verse 26 of Romans 8. Likewise, the Spirit, anytime in the New Testament you see Spirit capitalized, it's a direct reference to the Holy Spirit of God. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He helps us pray. You know, a lot of times when we pray, sometimes people say, I don't know what to say. We'll just start talking to the Lord, and the Holy Spirit will help you. And when sometimes when you're so grieved and so troubled, you don't know what to say, just start praying. 
and the Holy Spirit will fill in the blanks and help you. He helps us in this area. Verse 27, he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So it's the Holy Spirit that helps us to pray in God's will, because it's very easy to pray in the flesh. Forget the Holy Spirit, forget the Lord, and just make a lot of requests and do a lot of belly aching. But it's something else when the Holy Spirit is really helping us in our prayer life. And so that's going to be our starting passage. Let's pray and we'll get going. Father, thank you for your love for us. Lord, we do thank you so much for the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. We thank you so much that he's there to help us, to guide us, to teach us, to strengthen us in our prayer life, to help us understand difficult portions of Scripture, to lead us in our witnessing to people that we normally wouldn't witness to. And Lord, your Holy Spirit just does so much. And tonight in this lesson, we certainly want to magnify you, Lord. But in doing that, we also want to understand how the Holy Spirit of God works in us. So we pray that you'd help us see these characteristics, not only in the Holy Spirit, but also in you. Because you are, certainly are all of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is all of you. We have, Lord, the privilege to learn about the Father and the Son, and tonight about the Holy Spirit. Help us, and we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Now, these verses are all easy to find. They're all in the New Testament, so let's get started. John 14 and verse 17. I'll give you just a second so you can get there yourself. Now, if you're, if you're into technology and you have one of those little machines, you can get there really fast. <coughs> Excuse me. But there is something special about seeing it in writing right before your eyes. In verse 17 of John 14, we learn about the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth, that's number one on your paper. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. The spirit of truth comes into a heart and life at salvation. And we have this Holy Spirit. And because he's a spirit of truth, right below number one, we should never be deceived. Because he's a spirit of truth, we should never be deceived. Now, deception, even in religious groups, deception usually stems from too little truth. I mean, uh, the cults thrive on taking one verse that's accurate, and they mix it with the inaccuracies of many other verses. And so deception shows up from too little truth. And we know from John 14, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. And so the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. He works in conjunction with the Word of God and the Son of God and God the Father so that we don't have to be deceived. That's number one, the spirit of truth we should never be deceived. Let's look at the second one here. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 13. We, having the same spirit of faith. Now, I realize I told you earlier that if it's got a capital S, it's the Holy Spirit. When it's a small s, it, it, a lot of times it reflects our attitude. So we have an attitude of faith 
which is included in the Spirit of God when the Holy Spirit of God comes in us. We have the same spirit of faith. It's the Holy Spirit that moves us to witness. It's the Holy Spirit that moves us in faith to pray. It's the Holy Spirit that moves us in faith to give. And it's the Holy Spirit that moves us in understanding scriptures. Having the same spirit of faith. So that's number two. According as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of faith. And because of that, we should never be discouraged. We should never be discouraged. You know that faith is an, is an offensive it's an offensive term to many people because what faith does is it steps out and it boldly claims the gospel. And that's an offense to some people. But you don't have to be discouraged because if the Holy Spirit allows you to speak, then speak. And uh, sometimes when we speak, it, uh, it kind of attacks where the other person is living and, and, and we fail to realize that the Holy Spirit is in all of this and we don't have to be discouraged. I'll give you an example. My father had just had heart surgery in the hospital in Fargo. And I was very concerned about his soul, so I called the pastor in Fargo, and I said, would you please go up and preach to my dad? And so he did. And after the pastor had a chance to preach to my dad, I met him in the hallway, and I said, well, what happened? He said, well, your dad was very, uh, very nervous and very intimidated. And I said, you know, pastor, I feel so bad, maybe... Maybe because of his heart attack, I shouldn't have had you preach to him. Maybe because of his heart condition and, and being in the emergency room, maybe I should have picked a better time. And the preacher was very wise. The preacher said, you know, Forsberg, God could have stopped you from witnessing to him. God could have closed your lips and prevented you from sharing the gospel with, with your father. And he could have stopped me from talking to him. But he didn't. And because I was able to preach to your dad and you were able to minister to your dad, maybe something good will come from this down the road. So there's really no reason for us to be discouraged just because when we step out in faith, the world might be intimidated by that. You keep stepping out in faith. The world might be intimidated by your giving record. You keep giving. The world might be intimidated that you're in church on a Wednesday night. Just keep coming. The Lord might be intimidated because you're carrying your Bible around town. Just keep carrying it. Don't be discouraged. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. It's a spirit of faith, and we don't need to be discouraged. Number three, he's a spirit of grace. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 29. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 29. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall ye be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified in unholy thing and hath done despite unto the spirit of grace. Because he's a spirit of grace, we should never be disgruntled. In other words, we don't have to worry about when other people mistreat us or when other people mock us for our stand. We don't have to be uh, disappointed or disgruntled. We can still serve and have the spirit of grace minister us. Grace is something that we all need to get a handle on and we all need to share because the Lord has a lot of it and he gives it to us to share with others through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So he's a spirit of truth. We don't have to be deceived. Number two, he's a spirit of faith. 
so we don't have to be discouraged. Number three, he's a spirit of grace, so we don't have to be disgruntled. Number four, he is a spirit of holiness. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 4. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 4. If you look at verse 3, it says, Concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. He is a spirit of holiness, so we should never be defiled. We have in our word, the word of God, we have antibacterial truth. You know, we everybody's been washing their hands with, with uh, hand cleaner and face cleaner and everything else, and the word of God is, is truth. And uh, this antibacterial help we get from God's truth enables us to live a holy life. We don't have to live a defiled and evil and corrupt life. We can live a holy life close to the Lord because the spirit of holiness helps us in this area. So number four is the spirit of holiness is there and we should never be defiled. We should have an attitude of holiness when we serve the Lord and live for him. Number five, the Holy Spirit is called a spirit of wisdom a spirit of wisdom in Ephesians 1 and verse 17. Ephesians 1 and verse number 17. You with me, class? Say amen. Thank you for praying for me. Coughing is slowing down here. I know it drives the sound man crazy for me to cough into the microphone, but I'm not doing it on purpose, Caleb. Okay. Number five, the spirit of wisdom. Ephesians 1 and verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He gives us an attitude of wisdom. He gives us an attitude to hunt for wisdom, to search for wisdom, to learn wisdom. And because of that, we should never be daunted. In other words, daunted means to be intimidated. You don't have to be intimidated by learning God's wisdom. You don't have to be intimidated by foolishness. When somebody says to you, why do you read your Bible so often? Isn't that kind of foolish? No, it's not foolish. It's valuable and it's helpful and it's essential in our lives. And we don't have to be intimidated by those people. The Spirit of the Lord directs us towards wisdom. And the Spirit of God helps us understand wisdom especially as we read books like Proverbs and the Psalms. So number one is the spirit of truth, two is the spirit of faith, three is the spirit of grace, four is the spirit of holiness, five is the spirit of wisdom, and number six is a spirit of power. Now, if you haven't been turning to all these verses, I want you to turn to 2 Timothy 1, 7, because it covers the next three here. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And verse number seven. God hath not given us the spirit of fear. If you're fearful, you didn't get it from God. It says right there. God didn't give us the spirit of fear. But what did he give us? Now, I'm, I realize I'm supplying some extra words here as I explain this. But he is the one that gives us the spirit of power. God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. And he's a 
Holy Spirit of power. And because he's powerful, we should never be defeated. The Christian scoreboard, if you look at it more often, it's football season. And if you're rooting for one team, you always look at the scoreboard. Well, if you look at the Christian scoreboard, it says we won. It says victory in Jesus. That's the song we sing. We have won. If you're in Christ and you've trusted him, the scoreboard says you've won. Don't worry if the devil's ahead 99 to nothing. You've still won the final score. It's up to him because he's a spirit of power. And we should never be defeated. You know, victory in Jesus, if you want to hear a, a good rendition of it. There's a fellow with cerebral palsy. He's an evangelist. Can't think of his name right now, but... Ooh, David Ring. If you ever get a chance and somehow you're able to Google... David Ring Ministries, and Google his singing, Victory in Jesus, will change your life. Because he lives with cerebral palsy. But he, he's what? Did he sing Victory in Jesus? He did. It's amazing. He's got the Victory in Jesus, even though his health has very much been compromised. He's living in the power of the Holy Spirit, and he's not going to live a defeated life. Number seven. The Holy Spirit is also a spirit of love. Again, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of love. That's why it's so important that we love everybody, including our enemies. She said, well, I don't love my enemies. Well, if you're a Christian, you're going to learn to love your enemies because it's there. That's what makes us fundamentally different from so many other religions. We love our enemies. Some religions, if you don't agree with them, they kill you. The Lord says, love your enemies. Not easy to do, but the Holy Spirit will help us. <coughs> because he's the spirit of love. And so we should never be discordant. Discordant. <coughs> Excuse me. Seems like a tough word, but it simply means... In disagreement because of love we can we can get along with people we disagree with I don't know about you but I don't even agree with the guy I shave in the morning and that's me I have differing opinions all day long my wife says you keep changing your mind well that's, that's the way some of us are put together but the Bible says in the Psalms great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them nothing and that helps us have a spirit of love so we can get along with people even if they disagree with us. I mean, it is possible to disagree and love somebody. That is possible with the Holy Spirit's help. But it's not very likely if you do it all in the flesh. So he's the spirit of love, number seven. And uh, six, he was the spirit of, of power. And number eight, he's the spirit of a sound mind. Look at the last part of verse seven in Second Timothy here. Chapter 1, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but he did give us the spirit of power and the spirit of love and the spirit of a sound mind. And he gives us that through grace. It's a gift to us, a sound mind. My wife and I were talking today about how when we get old, we'll probably lose our minds. We won't think well. 
I told her, I said, don't worry about it, honey. The Lord promises us sound mind. If we stay focused on the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God, we can have a sound mind right to the end. So pray for that. Ask God to help you with that. <coughs> and you don't have to be disturbed. I know you were looking for the D word. Disturbed. Some people say he's crazy. Other people would say he's disturbed. Okay? Disturbed and crazy kind of in the same boat there. It's possible for believers with the Holy Spirit's help to be sane in an insane world. Would you agree with this world's kind of insane right now? Yeah, I think so, even in America. But it's possible, it's possible to be sane in an insane world because the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us that sound mind through the person of Christ. Okay, spirit of truth, number one. Spirit of faith, number two. Spirit of grace, number three. Spirit of four, or spirit of holiness, number four. Spirit of wisdom, number five. Spirit of power, number six. A spirit of love, number seven. Spirit of a sound mind, number eight. He's a spirit of life. Number nine, a spirit of life. And we don't have to be deadbeats. We don't have to be dead because he's a spirit of life. Romans chapter eight and verse number two. Romans chapter eight, verse number two. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For the law of the spirit of life. Holy Spirit is a spirit of life. You know, live wood, wood that's still alive, is connected to the roots, and it's connected to the ground, and is still getting water, and is still getting nourishment, and it's live wood. But dead wood, no life, burns fast. Petrified wood is hard as a rock, is stubborn, can't get through to it. But live wood, a live life, a life full of the Holy Spirit of God means that we don't have to be deadbeats. We are, the Bible says, we're living epistles. We have life. You know, sometimes your friends will complain because they'll say, wow, those Baptist churches, they fight too much. Well, at least there's life. You know what I'm saying? I've been in some other churches who hardly ever fight and they're dead as doornails. Why? Because there's no life there. They have an incomplete understanding of the Spirit of God. They have an incomplete understanding of being born again. They think being born again is heretical. That's nonsense. It's in the Word of God. Jesus said you must be born again. I'd rather be in a church that squabbles a little bit and has life than be in a church with perfect harmony and dead or doornails. No time for that. The Spirit of life. And then the tenth one. He's a Spirit of glory. He's a spirit of glory. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 14. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 14. If you reproach, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is even spoken of, evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. 
the Holy Spirit is a spirit of glory and we should never be dull. We read in the Psalms, <coughs> For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of glory. His word, the word of God should make us upbeat when the spirit of God is working through us. Junk food and worldliness not only wrecks our body, but it wrecks our heart and it wrecks our mind. But the spirit of glory gives us the spirit of wisdom, gives us the word of God, gives us an excitement about life, gives us a will to live, gives us something to be thankful for and something to boast about. Now, all of these, in conclusion, characterize Jesus. Is Jesus full of truth? Yes. Does Jesus have a fullness of faith? Yes. Is Jesus the author of grace? Yes. Is Jesus holy? Yes. Does he have wisdom? Yes. Does he have power? Yes. Does he have love? Yes. Does he give us a sound mind? Yes. Is Jesus the spirit of life? Certainly. Is Jesus the son of glory? Certainly. And the Holy Spirit help, helps us grab onto all of this and then use it in our own life. We don't have to be deceived, <laughs> deceived, discouraged, disgruntled, defiled, daunted, defeated, discordant, disturbed, or dead. We don't have to be dull because the Spirit of Christ lives in us. And we can be so, so thankful for that. I won't take the time to sing to you tonight, but you all aware of that song, The Comforter Shall Come? I am so glad that when I got saved, the Holy Spirit moved in and has helped me. And I know he'll help you as well. Let's stand and have a word of prayer.